Good news, low-carb ketogenic real food fans. A real good foods company is now in all U.S. Walmart stores. They have enchiladas, poppers, cauliflower crust pizzas, mini pizza bites, and the chicken crust pizzas in 3,500 Walmart stores. Real Good Foods pizzas are grain-free, gluten-free, and of course, low-carb, high-fat, ketogenic. This is real food, and now it's available at your local Walmart. Get exclusive offers from Real Good Foods by texting RGF to 474747. And be sure to visit realgoodfoods.com to learn more about Real Good Foods' ketogenic line of products. Real Good Foods. Are you having issues with fatigue, the keto flu, or muscle cramping on your ketogenic diet? Then allow me to introduce you to Keto Vitals. They will solve all of these issues. Keto Vitals is a high-dose electrolyte in a pill specifically created for the unique needs of the ketogenic lifestyle. They use only the best ingredients. In fact, their form of magnesium was shown in a double-blind trial to improve insulin sensitivity. Keto Vitals is 100% guaranteed. If it doesn't work, they will refund your money. Head on over to KetoVitals.com or you can go on Amazon and get free two-day shipping for Amazon Prime members. Use the coupon code KETO1515 both on Amazon and at KetoVitals.com to get 15% off of your order. Keto Vitals. Uh, living La Vida low carb. This show is changing lives. We talking about your diet, trying to get you feeling right. Cut up them avocados, fry some eggs. Time to explore the longest running health podcast, hosted by Jimmy Moore. Time to give up the crappy garbage. We're getting into ketosis. Every day is a new step to your goal. Yeah, you're getting closer. Motivated and focused. Don't stop, just go. Time to get inspiration from the Living La Vida low carb show. Hey, the Living Low Carb Show. Hey, hey guys, we're back here on the Living La Vida Low Carb Show with Jimmy Moore. And today I'm very privileged to welcome to the podcast a lady by the name of Heather Cohen. She is a cancer survivor, entrepreneur, and wellness and lifestyle blogger advocating for ownership over your health. Oh, I love you already. And medical treatment, Heather speaks and writes on nutritional and lifestyle interventions for healing chronic illness, managing stress, recovering from burnout, and living life on your own terms. She founded Rogue Keto, RogueKeto.com, that's R-O-G-U-E-K-E-T-O.com, a ketogenic food blog focused on clean uh, and food allergy-friendly ketogenic recipes and information. Heather, welcome to the show. Hi, Jimmy. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have you here, and I've seen you out there on social media. You've commented on Facebook uh, pages that I've I've posted things, and so I've known you virtually online, but this is the first time we've gotten to talk, and so uh, welcome, and uh, tell us a little bit of your journey, because you have quite the interesting story about how you got into keto and clean living and why you're so passionate about it today. Tell us that story. Sure. I have my own healing story um, that starts actually in the roots of food. Um, It turns out that I was born with a dairy allergy and I didn't know it until I was about 30 years old and some things started to go awry. Namely, I ended up with Hashimoto's, which is an autoimmune thyroid disorder. And then a few years later, because I refused to stop eating dairy, I ate pizza and everything else. I also am allergic to gluten. 
um, I just decided to eat, eat whatever I wanted and I'm not going to take these seriously and I'm a rebel. <laughs> and it led to a secondary autoimmune condition called lichen sclerosis, which is a very um, unusual autoimmune disorder. And it's not a fun one at all. Um, it's actually a skin disorder that attacks the skin of the vulva. And so some terrible things happen in the genital area and it can lead to cancer. And so I just ended up diagnosed with both on the same day. BAM lichen sclerosis, this horrible skin disorder and vulvar cancer in the same place, same doctor's appointment. And so that kind of made me pay attention and start looking at what I'm eating and taking some of these things seriously. And um, I was seeing a naturopath at that time. And so I continued to talk with her and she gave me a good lecture about how cancer is treated. And she suggested a couple of dietary changes. And then I continued to do research, looked at some things from Thomas Siegfried as well as Dominic D'Agostino ended up following a lot of their advice and I actually refused conventional treatment. So I did have surgery, but I refused the radiation and the chemotherapy that they suggested on top of it because uh, they wanted to remove some important parts. They actually wanted to castrate me in the process. And I was only 37 when I was diagnosed and I was just not ready for that. Like it's, I'm not going to mutilate my body in order to get through this if I can try dietary changes in lifestyle interventions first. And so that's what I did. And I was able to heal myself. And next month in February will be one year cancer free. So I'll be wow. going into my Congratulations. Thank you. That is awesome. Wow. What a story. And, and a lot of times people hear the C word and they just think it's a death sentence, that it's inevitable. Yep. It's going to go down that road. Uh, because everybody that goes through this process seemingly uh, ends with not a happy ending. Correct. Yeah, Did you it seems feel like that, that way at any point? Um, I actually learned a heck of a lot about cancer, the business of cancer and the industry when I was diagnosed. Um, cancer is a very lucrative business. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of dollars. There's a lot of research. Um, and there's a lot of controversy, it turns out. There's a whole natural yeah. area that people are trying to use alternative treatments. And then there's the conventional stuff that we know of, the big three, um, cut it out, burn it out, or poison it, right? And um, doctors don't like it when you start to look, think, look in, about um, natural treatments. Oh, they oncologists have a cow a about it. Oncologists do not like the they ketogenic do. diet. <laughs> Unfortunately, they start to kind of fearmonger and bully yes. you. And yes, It wasn't just me. Um, I'm kind of a tough cookie. And so my, my oncologist kind of did what I asked him to, and he respected my choices to refuse treatment. But when I was going through my natural treatments, because I went through high dose vitamin C and hyperbaric oxygen chamber therapy yes. alongside a very high, high fat therapeutic ketogenic diet. Yes. And that was the bulk of my treatment. Um, from the research I found from D Dominic Diagostino, who is fantastic. And I follow everything that he puts out. Yeah, Dom um, is amazing. But sitting in the IV room, getting my vitamin C, I would hear from other folks who had gone through just horrendous ordeals with their oncologists, threatening them, telling them they were going to die, threatening their family members, telling them that their loved one was going to die if they didn't follow their directions, that chemo was the only way to go. And it was just like these poor folks went through so much and it's just unfair. So Heather, and, you alluded to it earlier uh, about the business side of cancer. I mean, sure. at some point, they've got to know, wow, we've got to share 
this is actually an effective means for controlling this disease and or once people have it, reversing it, not in everybody, but in a good many people that have a glucose dependent uh, cancerous tumor. Uh, this could be the answer. Why, why are they holding back on that? That's a good question. I do think there's something to be said about conventional medicine just taking a little while to catch up with the newest science and data and literature. Um, because if you think about how fo doctors are educated, they go through medical school, and then the textbooks that they t are taught in medical school are written, it, when were they written? They weren't written recently. And then if they've been out of school for a little while, they're expected to keep up with their education on their own. Well, and there's no nutrition then, in that education either. Correct. Yes. What is it like three hours on average if they get yeah, anything? They're lucky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So there's also the, the nutrition is just missing completely, but they're expected to keep up on their own. So even if something aside from nutrition that was natural means snuck in, they wouldn't find it until was it what did they say 17 years for them to catch up? Well, you would think the, the research team? world would be driving this because uh, we've just saw it with the American Diabetes Association finally recognizing that ketogenic diets can be part of one of your choices to control your di type 2 diabetes. Uh, and you would think that, and they, they based it, by the way, on studies that have come out showing that a ketogenic diet uh, is helpful for that condition. So we, we're seeing Dom's work. We're seeing Dr. Thomas Seafried's work, the work of Dr. Eugene Fine. All kinds of people are looking into the effect that a ketogenic diet can have on cancer and at some point, it's got to trickle. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, we did see the American Cancer Society's website now does state that cancers are a lifestyle illness. Ah, They're a chronic disease big. caused by lifestyle. So that's a shift in the right direction. Because it's always a lot been of time, genetic up until now. That's right. That's yeah. right. Everyone's always gone for the genetic um, philosophy around cancer. It's all DNA. You can't control it. It's all just in your genes. And now that we've got the whole metabolic theory of cancer coming out, then some of that's starting to take hold. They're not ready to admit it, but they are willing to say, okay, it's lifestyle oriented. And I think I'd have to look up the website again, but I believe it does say that it's like 75 or 80% of cancers are lifestyle related. Wow. Well, Otto Warburg had this right yeah. many years ago. Yep, absolutely. In the 70s, I believe. Oh, it was long before that. Was it before yeah. that? Yeah, he, he uh, had his Warburg effect. It was out there for, it was 50 years ago at least, uh, that Otto Warburg was out there trumpeting this whole um, uh, Warburg Metabolic. effect. Yeah, so it's it, it's been out there a long time, and he even won the Nobel Prize in science for that finding, and yet yep. they, they did this, and they did nothing with it, Heather. Right, right. Until Dr. Seafree decided to pick up that work and... He's doing an incredible job at Boston College. Yes, he absolutely is. Yeah. So you got this uh, diagnosis and uh, you today, after using these natural therapies, cancer-free? Correct. Cancer-free. Amazing. That is just and amazing. And my Hashimoto's and my lichen sclerosis are both in remission. Wow. Now, you mentioned that your style of ketogenic uh, was therapeutic, which uh, people, yes. they, they have a tough time distinguishing between like keto that's mainstream right now. Everybody's eating low carb, high fat keto. Sure. And, and but that's not the same as a therapeutic style diet for treating something like cancer or maybe some other neurodegenerative types of diseases. Uh, was it upwards of 90 percent fat you were consuming? 
Yep, it was absolutely. It was at least eighty percent, but on most days I was around ninety percent. Wow. Um, What's that so look like? I wasn't. Um, for example, like my diet. Um, so I, I also included intermittent fasting. So I usually would have one, maybe two meals a day. Yeah. And I did a lot of bacon and eggs and um, roast beef with mayo and. Um, I don't do dairy because I'm allergic to dairy, as right. I mentioned earlier. So I didn't do any of that. Um, what else? Was it calorie Revised- restriction as well, like uh, Dr. Seafried calls for? I didn't usually do calorie restriction, but because I was doing the intermittent fasting, some days I would ah, end up low on calories anyway. Go. And I was in such deep ketosis that I was often not hungry. Um, I didn't measure my ketones every single day, but I checked in meh, like once a week or so. And my ketones were usually at least three, sometimes higher, yeah. most of the time higher. And then my blood sugar was usually hanging around in the 70s. Nice. So your ketone to glucose uh, index had to be incredible. Right. And there's a mathematical equation that Thomas Seafried suggests. But I I wasn't, I was too stressed out with other things to worry about (laughs) calculating that on a daily basis. Yeah. So I just tried to keep my fat as high as possible and my carbs as low as possible to keep my ketones as high and my blood glucose as low as I could get it. Yeah. Wow. Good for you. I'm just so yeah, proud I of you. Incredible. Yeah, I mean, th- this is stunning. And how long ago was this? Uh, you said a year ago. You A year ago. I was diagnosed in August of 2017, and yeah. I was cancer-free in um, February of 2018. Wow. And I did three months of the hyperbaric cham- oxygen chamber and the high-dose vitamin C IVs, and I did those three times a week for yeah. months. That- that HBOT, uh, every cancer survivor that I've talked to, uh, that was a key part of their healing process. And I'm trying to get one, Heather, for my I've got like yes. a little biohacking corner in my in okay. my property. And so I'm trying to get an HBOT. <laughs> I so bad want one to help heal my insulin resistance, which is not nearly as serious as cancer, but uh, it's still sure. a still a problem. Yes, definitely. That it could help. Yeah, and I was so. actually I was nervous at first to get in the HBOT because it's you know, they zip you in there and you can't get out until your hour is over. Right. <laughs> I was worried, but once I got in, <laughs> yeah, there's actually plenty of room. So I would just take my YouTube in there and hang out and watch videos and chill or I'd meditate. <laughs> so yeah. it was actually not bad. That's cool. That's cool. So today you are now a warrior helping other ketogenic uh, cancer warriors out there. Uh, to understand this. And, and I think the, the thing that your story does, Heather, is it demystifies the use of keto for something that, that like you said, mainstream medicine just has uh, a hard time understanding, hard time wrapping their heads around. Oncologists hear the K word and they shudder in fear. How do you overcome people's fears that they've been scared half to death by their doctors that they're going to die tomorrow if they try something like this? Yeah. Um, oftentimes, well, I get a lot of people that want my advice. They hear my story. They want to know how can they do some of the things that I did to help them. I also took a bunch of supplements, um, alongside my healing protocol. Um, they're all listed on my website, heathercohen.com. If folks are interested in the whole full plan, it's all outlined there. Um, and oftentimes there's confusion. So they'll hear my story. They'll go to their doctor. The doctor will tell them either. Yes, go ahead and try it. I'm running into that more and more that doctors are saying, you know what? 
it's food. (laughs) So as long as you're eating and you're keeping weight on and you're not getting into a cachexic state, which is where you start muscle wasting and it's kind of the signal that cancer's taken over completely, then you're fine. So they're like, whatever, like not eating sugar and not eating junk food, like it can't be bad for you. And so they'll say yes. And I'm getting that more and more. Or the oncologist will say, absolutely not. You need to be eating carbs. You need to be eating as much junk food and sugar and whatever as you can, because I need you to keep weight on to go through these treatments because chemo doesn't make you feel too good and you get sick and you have a hard time eating and keeping food down and blah, blah, blah. And so that person is usually just left a little bit confused and very afraid. And so then that's when I pull out a lot of the data and I say, watch this video from Thomas Seyfried, watch this video from Dominic Diagostino. There's a ton of podcasts from you and you've had Thomas on and a lot of other resources. And I say, you can look through all of this stuff. I said, or you can also just try it, right? So let's see, what have you been through so far? And sometimes they'll tell me, well, I did chemo around already, or I did two rounds of radiation already, or I did this and that and the other thing. And they've been battling for a while. Like they've been trying to get themselves healed for a long time and it hasn't worked. And so I'm like, you've been through all of this already. What can it really hurt? And once they just kind of breathe and think about it logically, they're like, okay, maybe it's it's right to actually just try this. It worked for you and there's a lot of other, you know, evidence that it works or that it can at least help. And the biggest thing I talk about is usually the health of the other mitochondria. Yes. So when you're on chemo or you're on radiation, you're damaging your healthy cells alongside the cancerous cells. But if you're on a mitochondrial like health focused diet, which is what keto is, if you're doing it therapeutically, actually if you're doing it at all, um, then it just kind of explains. So if you're arming your healthy cells to be healthy and to correct their metabolism, then anything that you're doing that's going to be detrimental to the cancerous cells, you don't want that to be detrimental to your healthy cells. So just think through it. Doesn't that make sense? Don't you want to arm your immune system and your body as much you can to be healthy while you're also going through whatever treatment you choose, whether it's vitamin C or chemotherapy or whatever? And so just having a logical conversation and then if they're data minded, giving them all those studies and videos and podcasts and all the resources that I've been able to dig up helps. And some say no. Do you find that a lot of people are kind of that logical engineering styled mind where they want the data or are most people emotional about this and just want you to be there and tell them it's going to be okay? It's half and half and it depends on where they are in their diagnosis. Gotcha. If it's a brand new diagnosis, there's definitely a lot of emotions going on. Um, They're just fearful because the media, like you said, cancer equals death. That's all we know. But what I learned, in my opinion, cancer rarely kills you. It's usually the treatment for cancer that actually kills you, complications of treatments that actually kill you. Cancer is just cells that are growing out of control. That's not going to kill you unless it grows in a place that compromises a vital organ And people don't think about cancer like that. They just know that it's this mysterious black box, scary thing, and that it kills everybody. Yeah. But if you look in the data, everyone who's marked as dead because of cancer, they don't don't separate it out. Did they die because of complication in surgery or radiation or chemo or whatever? It doesn't matter. If they had cancer, they're still counted in that same bucket. So when you start to unpack some of these things, then people start to breathe and relax and say, okay, like cancer doesn't mean death. Just breathe. Um, I also find oftentimes family members are pushing folks into decisions about cancer treatment. Right. So if folks come to me and they're like, tell me about your natural choices because I'm considering them, 
oftentimes there's a sister, a husband, a brother-in-law, a child, someone who is pushing them into what they believe is the right choice because all they know are the big three that everyone talks about, chemo, surgery, radiation. And so whatever they choose, I think dietary and lifestyle interventions are great alongside whatever treatment choice that you pick. That's right. And one challenge in this whole discussion, too, uh, is is getting them to not be as trusting of the doctors because forever yes. we've kind of abdicated our role. And, you know, this is a theme song of my work of taking back control of your own health and being your own right. empowered patient health advocate. And I know that's a big theme song of you as well. Talk about how you get their brains wrapped around that concept. Yeah, this is where I really get fired up. <laughs> <laughs> People don't seem to realize that their healthcare team, whoever their practitioner is, whether it's a naturopath, an oncologist, a regular family practice doctor, or another specialist, they're someone who's consulting in a specialty, but they work for you. I hired my team. And my team, when I was being treated, was my conventional oncologist, my naturopathic oncologist, my naturopath, who's my primary care, and then a therapist, of course, to handle the emotional and the head. And I think I had um, a fitness person in there, too, to help me with kind of moving my body. All of those people worked for me. I hired them all. And so if any of them didn't agree with the way that I was going mm-hmm. or decided to use techniques like fear-mongering or threatening, then I had the choice to go ahead and remove them from my team and add someone new. Nice. And that is what I try and tell people. Your folks work for you. And there's a lot of other stickiness here, right? You've got insurance, you've got payments, you've got all of this medical money because cancer is not cheap. You have to be a millionaire if you're going to survive cancer, I swear. (laughs) Teasing, everyone can survive cancer. But it gets sticky. And so a lot of folks are like, well, I live in a rural town and my insurance only covers this practitioner. And so I can't really tell them to take a fly and leap because they're the only person in town. They're all I got, yeah. Yeah. And so that's when things become a little bit more difficult. And um, I do offer, like I will attend your um, appointments with you and try and advocate on your behalf. So I have done that in the past. Or I will help train someone else, like a family member who's close to you, to help advocate for you in those sessions as well. Um, Because that's where you just need someone to speak up for you. Like sometimes you just feel so beaten down and overwhelmed and you're trying to make all these decisions And if you have a doctor who's not cooperating, you just need a little bit of help and someone with a little bit of muscle. Yeah. Because in the end of the day, the doctor really has to do what you tell them to. Like, they work for you. Are you looking for whole food supplements for your ketogenic lifestyle? Then let me introduce you to Further Food. Go to furtherfood.com and you'll see that they source the highest quality ingredients on the planet. They have collagen peptides and my favorite, the gelatin powder to make those yummy gummies. And all of it is sourced from grass-fed, pasture-raised bovine collagen from Argentina, Paraguay, and Uruguay. Guys, this is really high-quality collagen and gelatin. There's no hormones or antibiotics. It's non-GMO, and it's the most tasteless and easiest to use on the market. And if you're not using collagen and gelatin, you need to be adding this to your ketogenic life. 
lifestyle. It helps reduce wrinkles, increase skin elasticity, making your skin firmer and softer. Collagen helps nails and hair grow longer and stronger while helping to rebuild your bones and strengthen your joints and ligaments. Collagen also helps with digestion and will help you curb your carb cravings. Again, head on over to furtherfood.com, enter the coupon code JIMMY at checkout, and you'll get 20% off your order. Elevate your wellness. Further food. If you're a fan of fat, then you need to try the F-bombs. Go to JimmyLovesFbomb.com, enter the coupon code JimmyLovesFbomb, and you'll get 20% off of your first order. So what are these F-bombs? They are nut butters, and they have incredible combinations of coconut and macadamia nut, macadamia nut butter, and my favorite is salted chocolate macadamia nut butter. They also have several oil blends, including the house blend, the MCT oil, as well as coconut oil. If you want your fat on the go, then you need to check out JimmyLovesFbomb.com. And once again, use the coupon code JimmyLovesFbomb. You'll get 20% off your first order. JimmyLovesFbomb.com. So, Heather, is there a standard of care with cancer? We know with heart disease, there's a certain standard of care with diabetes. Same thing. Is there a standard of care by which these doctors have to follow certain protocols if you have certain numbers or certain size tumor or that kind of thing? Um, It's not that strict to my knowledge. Okay. Um, The standard of care is terms in terms of if you have this kind of cancer and your tumor is this size, then this is the standard treatment protocol. Those do exist for every single kind of cancer in every single stage. Um, But the doctor has, you know, they can they can do whatever they need to do based on the agreement between them and the patient. Gotcha. But they're not forced to do some specific treatment based on size of tumor, uh, you know, the kind of cancer, that kind of thing. They just simply uh, have a suggestion about what they could do uh, that becomes kind of the norm for how everybody treats cancer. But you as the patient have the option of saying, well, I want to try something else and they won't get into trouble. To my knowledge, yes. Okay. Yeah, because sometimes yeah, uh, knowledge, yes. patients get dinged by their doctors as a non-compliant patient if they don't follow the protocols, which the doctors are then kind of forced to do. I'll give you an example. So if somebody comes in with high cholesterol of 257, which isn't high, by the way, but uh, 257 cholesterol, they have to, because there's a standard of care that tells them they have to prescribe a statin medication Uh, After giving a a CT heart scan, that's the standard of care according to the cholesterol guidelines. And I didn't know if there was something similar with cancer where they had to do a certain protocol. um, And if they didn't, you basically became a noncompliant patient. Right. Uh, To my knowledge, it's not a standard of care as strict in that capacity. But definitely, this is the standard that we should follow to treat this cancer. And you can say yes, and you can say no. And I think a big reason why it's different is because of the side effects involved with some of the treatment options conventionally for cancer. Um, Because you have to deal with lymphedema if you go through lymph node removal or surgery or any kind of damage to your lymph system. That's always a possibility. And people don't realize that that's a potential for the rest of your life. Even if you don't get lymphedema right away, you have damaged your lymph system. So anytime, like 10, 20 years later, you could develop lymphedema. Or, well, you know, missing also body parts, mort- vital uh, organs. and Yeah. 
I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I was going to say also you have a high mortality rate that, yes. that, that they can't force you to do something that, that exactly might right. put you on that road to mortality. That's exactly right. And some of the doctors, some of the oncologists will argue, well, this is the standard of care. This is what we're going to do. And if you choose not to do it, then I can't treat you. You're not my patient anymore. So that is always a risk. Doctors yeah. can fire you as well. Yeah. So that is always, always a, a, a potential. Yes. Now, another theme song that I, I love and adore about your work is about living life on your own terms. And you are now helping people identify uh, kind of what those things are that they're all about. And and I think that people neglect that aspect of their health journey, Heather, and having gone through what you've gone through and risen triumphantly over it and now having that gratification of helping other people go through their own journeys. Um, talk about this one a little bit more of living life on your own sure. terms. Yeah, this one's pretty important to me because I, prior to my diagnosis, I was in the marketing field. That's my background. My profession is in digital marketing. And I had been climbing the ladder rapidly. And I was headed into the C-suite um, as chief revenue officer for a, a rapidly growing venture-backed SaaS company. So it was a, a like a program, like an electronical pro program online. And the stress that comes with owning the revenue for an entire company that's growing that fast is paramount. Like it, <laughs> it was ridiculous. And folks that say that stress is not something that's going to harm your health, stress uh -huh. is all in your head, stress is no big deal. <laughs> They've never experienced stress. No. Um, and it definitely was something that led or contributed to my development of my autoimmune diseases as well as cancer. Yes. And it just wore me down, just wore me down. I was having anxiety and depression and just, oh, I was a mess. And I wasn't taking care of myself, right? I was drinking too much. And I was eating all the wrong things. I wasn't planning out my meals. I was just eating whatever I could find whenever I could find it. I was not sleeping enough. I wasn't getting outside. I wasn't moving my body. Everything was neglected because work was my number one priority. And when I got hit in the face with a cancer diagnosis, that's when I finally sat down and looked at my life. And I was like, I don't even care about my job that much. What am I doing? Yeah. And that's when I started to actually reevaluate my values. Like, what are my values? What do I value? And then I started to align my life to my values. And once I finally started to do that, things just started to fall into place. And happiness wasn't this thing that I like wondered about. It was just how I was. <laughs> and so that's huge. And a big piece of that was also admitting to myself that I was the reason that I got cancer in the first place. Mm. Living all those bad habits and all of those terrible lifestyle choices I made for years and years and years and burdening all that stress because I'm not the type of person to be able to do things just a little bit. I have to jump in and do them like 100%. And it wasn't so fulfilling to me. <laughs> right. It was just stressful. Yeah. And so coming to that realization and working through that and kind of, you know, apologizing to myself, apologizing to my body, owning that, forgiving myself, that was all part of the process in terms of healing. And so I like to help people get back aligned. Like, what is it that's important to you as a person? Not important to your job, not important to your husband, not important to your sister, your mom, your dad, you. What do you value and what's important to you? And how can we start making changes in your life to align to those values? Because as soon as I started chasing fulfillment instead of achievement, achievement just happened. Like it just kind of falls into place. Mm. 
Man, we could do a whole show just on that topic. So <laughs> I love it. Yeah. And I, and I love that you're now imparting that wisdom onto other people. Um, and, and I too live like that, try to live like that as well and finding purpose in life and, and living your passion and, and doing what you feel called to do, um, right. and changing lives in the process. So kudos to you for doing that. One of the ways that you're changing lives is you've created this, uh, website. You talked about your, uh, your main website, Heather, I think I said Cohen. Uh, how'd you pronounce your last name? It's Cohen. It's the Cohen. original Jewish pronunciation. There just too go. many vowels. Yes. So <laughs> Heather it, Cohen. It, it's kind of like calling me Jimmy Moore. So <laughs> yeah, there you go. And, and I've gotten that before too. So <laughs> Heather Cohen, C-O-O-A-N.com. But you also right. have another website, Rogue Keto, RogueKeto.com, R-O-G-U-E-K-E-T-O.com, where you show cooking and dairy-free keto recipes. And uh, you talked about why dairy-free was so important to you. And this is something I get a lot, too. I'm having trouble finding, like, dairy-free recipes. Well, sure. now you have a resource, you guys. Go check out Heather's Rogue Keto. But tell us why you decided to start that site and uh, what you're doing there. And do you have the hopes of writing a cookbook? Sure. I've actually thought about doing a cookbook for sure. Um, I've actually had that question come up quite a few times. Um, the Rogue Keto site actually started years and years prior to my diagnosis because I had been dabbling with low carb um, actually early on in my life before I got sick, before our stress was out of control, before nice. the job was killing me. And if I'd stayed on it, I probably would have been okay. <laughs> <laughs> life <laughs> But happened. I had fallen off. Yeah. So it's been around for a long time. And there are recipes on there that do include dairy before I was um, abiding by my dietary restrictions with my allergies. Um, but now it's mostly dairy-free. Everything I put on there is stuff that I make and eat myself. Um, and so it's really just a place to share all of those recipes um, and hopefully get people more resources. Um, dairy is something that's kind of controversial. Uh, I'm allergic to it, so I have no choice. But I also believe it's pretty inflammatory. All of the research that I've read kind of suggests that's not something we probably were meant to eat. So if anyone's having trouble with a chronic disease or or feeling crappy just in general, I highly recommend they look into how they would feel without it, just kind of doing a test, taking it out of the diet and seeing how they react because it may actually be something that's contributing to their, you know, feeling like poop. <laughs> yeah, there's no downside in having at least a period of time that you go without it. And just observe, see how you feel, because right. some people do just fine with dairy, especially high some quality. Do. Like I live in a, in a state, Heather, where I can get uh, raw dairy and, and that's a really high quality dairy if you're going to get dairy. Um, but see how you do with it. And if you start to feel or, or see like uh, acne is something that pops up in a lot of people mm -hmm. that eat dairy uh, and just in general, how you feel, it, it does make a difference. And gastrointestinally, just just right. pay attention to it. How long would you recommend taking it out of the diet to see a difference? Uh, the half-life on dairy is supposed to be about 30 days is how long it takes to get out of your system. So I would okay. give it at least a month okay. and see how, how you feel. Um, and then after that, if you want to try a piece of cheese or whatever and it doesn't have any ill effects, then more power to you. I'm jealous. You can have dairy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're certainly doing a, a great job of, of spreading the message in so many ways. And man, oh, man. That story of yours, Heather, is just phenomenal. I'm really happy we got to share it here today on the Live in La Vida Low Carb Show. Again, you guys, Heather Cohen. Go check her out on her main website, heathercohen.com, and then her blog, rogueketo.com. 
Well, Heather, thanks so much for joining us here today on the Live and La Vida Low Carb Show. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me, Jimmy. Living La Vida Low Carb, this show is changing lives. We talking about your diet, trying to get you feeling right. Cut up the avocados, fry some eggs, time to explore. The longest running health podcast, hosted by Jimmy Moore. Time to give up the crappy garbage, we're getting into ketosis. Every day is a new step to your goal, yeah, you're getting closer. Motivated and focused, don't stop, just go. Time to get inspiration from the Living La Vida Low Carb Show. Hey. The Living Low Carb Show.com. Disc of Light.